Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Draft 412. It's at that time of the week again. It is on the clock. Penguins talk on the 412. I am... Once again, delighted to have my partner Darren Vickless uh, with me to talk to Penguin Hockey. Darren, they went what they go last week. They went one zero and two, I guess you could say. So they got four points out of um out of six. Out of the six, so it ain't horrible. But let's let's start off the week with with the one that, and you even sort of said that you were I wouldn't say worried, but you were like ah you know Vancouver's a a unique team that um you know just they. They have a lot of they have a lot of they have a lot of uh, youth and some skating on their team, and that's they're, they're a faster team than what we what we're used to in the uh, East, for sure. And th- a lot of the things with the Canucks and people use the term hater when talking about them a lot, but the thing with the Canucks is they give up a lot of scoring chances at times, and we actually mm-hmm. saw that. It's why the Penguins came back. Like they got the better of the Canucks at five v five for most of the night. Canucks still win. They have their so-called lottery line or the jackpot line, depending on who you're talking to. But the Elias Pedersen-centered line is just so good that they can kind of over, along with the Quinn Hughes-Philip Ronick pairing. Um, those guys are so good that they can overcome the fact that a lot of their lineup isn't good at 5v5. Like, their second and third lines can score, but they're going to give up a significant amount of chances too. And you saw that again against the Penguins, where they were able to really push back. Now, the Penguins' issue has been the issue it's actually been there all year is their received slow starts. Um, and I think with an older hockey team, a concern isn't so much tiring out at the end of games, unless it's like a back-to-back scenario. It's It takes them a little bit longer to kind of get the engine going. They get stuck in neutral a little bit early in these first periods sometimes. Sometimes only for a shift or two, or in the case of the Canucks, it ended up being like the first 12 minutes of the game. They just couldn't to handle the Canucks four check. And then after that, it equalized and they tie it up. And unfortunately they lose in overtime, but um, yeah, it was a weird game in the sense that it, it, it's very rare. A game plays out exactly how you think it will in your head. And that's pretty much how that game went. I thought the Canucks would come out swinging because they do it against everybody. They come out in that first five, 10 minutes, every game they play, they roll their top three lines, occasionally throwing out the Bluger line a little bit uh, just as a matchup guy, but mostly they're, hyper aggressive in the early onset of games and then they get up two or three goals and they can sometimes get passes and fall back into a shell that hasn't come back to bite them yet i think do you think, do you think it has it has to do with the youth and the skating of them they come out and just almost like shock the team at the beginning of the game like this is what you think that's what they do i mean they have a they have they have a ton of young talent i mean they do they um if you follow the draft like we do the last three four five years they, they've just they just they keep multiplying guys it seems like they have a ton of talent in the minors ton of talent on the team um one question i have because they they we'll get into the hurricanes game next they lost the first two games of the week in overtime we seem to struggle in overtime um we seem to struggle on the power play do you think that plays hand in hand i mean do you think that the penguins just they don't take advantage of their true skill i mean you, you would think they put the five guys on the power play it should be I'm not saying Harlem Globetrotters, but it should be tic-tac-toe and just – you would think that. And you would think in overtime with the open ice that, you know, the three-on-three, three, you would think the Penguins would 
with with their just their talent alone should 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 succeed a lot in these games. I think what's happening is it, I think it's a it's a cascading effect, right? And I apologize. Uh, I thought like I was going to say. <laughs> Um, it's, I think it's a cascading effect in that their confidence with as soon as you give them extra space, it's like everything goes out the window fundamentals, whether it be the extra space in overtime or it's they have the extra space with the man advantage for the other team can't press them as much. It's as if they they take everything that should be simple and make it complicated, which that that sounds like generic coach speak. But if you watch them play, it looks like they're trying to push a boulder up the hill. The second they get the extra space, whether it's a power play or overtime, but then at 5v5, when they have to play in these tight spaces where things are more contested checking wise, they look excellent and they look excellent on the PK where they're the team on the back foot and they have to kind of adjust and use the space they're given instead of taking advantage of excess space. And that's been a trend all year. And I think it's just cascaded. Part of it, too, is in overtime is out. They. they the Penguins aren't a slow team. I hate when I see that because it's definitely not true. But they're also not the fastest team on the ice anymore, outside of a few guys. Um, they're just they're not the fastest team. So with that extra space, whenever you hesitate, whenever you turn the puck over, whenever you second-guess yourself, a team like Vancouver with Elias Pettersson is going to make you pay. And that's exactly what we saw, especially with a really mobile guy like Quinn Hughes that basically played the entire overtime for the best most part. Um, I think he had two shifts in overtime greater than a minute. And it didn't take the full five, so he was out there essentially the whole time. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's just a simple, their confidence is shot a bit. And not to like, oh, fire this guy or that guy. But I think part of it is they just need to shake up on whoever's coaching their PK. And then when you look at the structure and overtime, it's just so many unnecessary risks, even from guys who are reliable in Crosby and Gensel. Um, I mean, Crosby ends up chasing Pedersen. He's not the guy that turned it over. And he got kind of caught by his own man making a bad decision. But in the game against Carolina, Sid goes for a bad change. Malkin has to kind of do everything he can, even to get even with Pesci. Can't get there quick enough. Hurricane score. Even if you want to see a save on the play, like it's just bad decision-making in overtime and on the power play. And if they could just pick one or the other to be better at, even if the power play stays bad and they're good in overtime, or they figure out the power play and their overtime still stinks, they'd be probably four or five points better than what they are on the season right now. And now to get back to the Canucks game as well, um, we've, we've seen this a lot this year. I don't know if this is, in your opinion, have we seen this more or less, the uh, goalie changes in games? It seems like the Penguins lately have been doing a lot of, uh, Nadalkovich started that game, gave up, um, Three goals on nine shots. They brought Jari in, and Jari did did well. He had uh, nineteen saves on on uh, on twenty shots. Um, is this about the norm, or do you think you're seeing a little bit? We're seeing a little bit more of this this year with the Penguins. I think Sullivan's being more aggressive with a one A one B scenario, which you simply couldn't do with Casey DeSmith. He's just not good enough to get that many starts. I mean, I know he's been good with Vancouver. But, like, he's just – that's your Demko, their workhorse. They go to him, right? In Pittsburgh, like, Tristan Jari, as good as he's been this year, there's still that specter of that horrible Islander series hanging over his head or how wildly inconsistent he was in the second half of the season last year and then just the injury history. So I think they're giving Ned a lot of starts just to keep him fresh in case Jari goes down or completely goes in the tank again. And both goalies have been relatively fine. Um, I think at this point, I'd like to see Jari get maybe an extra start or two over what Nedeljkovic does. 
Uh, just for the simple reason that when we get to the playoffs, it's for all intents and purposes, Jari's going to be the guy. Um, but I also don't blame Sullivan for maybe being willing to have the quick hook. A lot of coaches aren't. And it's what, what, it's actually one of the things I kind of credit Sullivan a little bit with being willing to be more adaptable, being willing to change more this year than he has in seasons past. And the goaltending swapping is kind of emblematic of it. I mean, they had, what, five straight games where neither guy started consecutively, right? Yeah, they were- and, they, and they, they've, um, they've switched it both ways, but you don't see that very often during the season. Like, they've had... If Jari's gotten pulled more than uh, Dalkovich has this year, but then I guess in the Vancouver game, um, the opposite happened. It seems like both guys don't seem like they're getting. It ain't like one of them deals where they look like they're they're getting upset or mad. I mean, I know Jari a couple of his games where he got hooked, he he was just hung out to dry, kind of so to speak. I mean, tip ins, tap ins, just sure. I can't I can't remember the game exactly. I know he gave up like three or four like in uh, it was like in the first period. He just got looked horrible. He had a really rough game against Detroit early in the year, I think okay. is the one you're thinking of. I think mm-hmm. that might have been game four, five, or six. It was like right around there before they even hit 10-game mark. Mm-hmm. And it was a mix of the Penguins playing poorly and then Jari also just not moving laterally particularly well at all. Um, which And then he then misses time with injuries. So maybe that's connected. It's hard to say. Um, but yeah, I think the aggressive goalie switching, I think we're going to see it unless one of these two guys goes on a heater. And they're just like, nope, the net's mine, at least for now. Um, so I think we're going to keep seeing them swap aggressively and gauge who's going to be better going into the postseason. If I was a betting man, I would still say it's Jari. He makes so much more money than what Nadelkovich does. He's yeah. Act longer. So there maybe is a little bit of ego massaging you have to do. Um, but I, I do think Jari's also been the better of the two goalies for much of the year, too. Not that Ned's been bad. He's been a perfectly good 1B, well above league average this year, every metric. Well, let's let's go into the second game now. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit. They lost three to two uh, to Carolina in overtime. Jari started that game, went the distance. He uh, had a decent game. He had thirty two saves on thirty five shots, nine fourteen save percentage. Um, what what was the Penguins' problems in the Carolina game? It was another slow start. Uh, it was exactly what we saw in the Vancouver game for like the first seven or eight minutes of that game. I think the Penguins had two shots. Neither of them were threatening. And Carolina had like eight, but they missed the net a ton. They still cashed in twice, but Carolina probably should have had four or five more high danger chances on target, which has been Carolina's issue in recent memory is they get a volume of chances. Sometimes they miss a lot of that volume of chances and they end up only scoring two goals in regulation, which did open the door for the Penguins to be better. And I think in the second and third period on the road in a tough place to play, the Penguins outplayed the Hurricanes for the better part of that final 40 minutes. The problem, though, is you just can't keep getting yourself into these two plus goal holes and expect to come back. I don't care how good the Crosby line is, I don't, especially when they're out there with Eric Carlson. They just dominate possession. But I don't care how good that collective is if you're constantly chasing. Because even teams with young legs can't chase all game, every game, putting yourself in a hole. Mm-hmm. A team this old, like Crosby's an anomaly, but you can't ask that of Crystal Tang, of Eric Carlson, of I mean, Ryan Rust is over 30 now, or Riley Smith, who's now injured, but over 30, of Malkin. Like, you just can't ask this of those guys and demand that they dig themselves out of a two-goal hole. Because even if you play exceedingly well, one minor mistake, say you score, it's 2-1, you make a minor mistake, all of a sudden it's 3-1 and you're back chasing up the hill again, even if you had been the better flow of play up to that point. Like, you just can't keep putting yourself behind. And it's not something that's happening as much as it did early in the year. It was just very dramatic to see it happen two games in a row against two teams that if somebody said they were going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, I wouldn't be shocked by. For multiple reasons. A, the Penguins did answer the bell after they fall down or fell down. 
in those games. I'm not shocked by that, but I was shocked by it just being the same exact scenario in back-to-back games in which then they make kind of a very egregious mistake and then they lose it overtime. But, um, I know you don't, you don't have the answer to this. Nobody has the answer because if we had the answer to this, we'd be, we'd be <laughs> making millions of dollars as a head coach or whatever uh, for an NHL team or an NFL team or an MLB team or whatever. But Penguins are loaded with veterans. You've already mentioned that. What causes this? This? What do you think mentally causes this? These slow starts. I mean, they have guys that have been playing 17, 18 years. What is the? I would. I don't think it's necessarily anything mental. I think it's just they're older players. It takes them a little bit longer to get mm-hmm. going into the game, which in and of itself isn't the worst thing in the world if you're getting some quality minutes from your depth guys too, and not just all sixty minutes. Sidney Crosby has to be the best player every night, even though he's done that this year. Like, it's unfair to ask that of him or of Malkin, especially. Um, and it's just, I think they just need to be get a little bit more out of their bottom six early in the games. Because games that they've come back and won recently or games where they've come back to steal the overtime point are games where the bottom six, for the most part, has played pretty good. It's just that it's coming too late. And especially against Carolina, their bottom six, in particular the third line, had a really bad stretch of two or three shifts in a row from them where they just got completely hemmed in and buried. Pustin in particular had a really bad game for that first period against Carolina where it was just like a freeway on his side of the ice where he wasn't really supporting the defense or anybody really. Um, So if they can get some more out of those bottom six guys that aren't the older stars, I think they're fine. And to the credit of Drew O'Connor, he is a guy that's answered the bell a little bit there, but he just can't be the only one doing that. And, um, in the uh, Carolina game, Brian Russ scored. He seems like he's starting to slowly heat up a little bit. Like, I'm not saying he's the Brian Russ of all by no means, but he's he's getting back. And he's just coming back. He's about, about two, three weeks in now from uh, returning from injury. Do you do you think he'll continue just to keep um, improving as the season's going on? I think so. I think you lose, especially when you're playing with Crosby or Malkin, where playing with them needs to be a routine thing because they just do so much that you don't expect as a winger. Like, I think you can kind of lose that muscle memory with a player as talented as Crosby or Malkin as your center. Um, I thought Rust was actually better against Vancouver than he was against Carolina. He just didn't happen to score. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had two back-to-back very solid games, which is encouraging. And the big thing with him, when he's his best, he's driving the net, he's crashing the paint, causing a little bit of chaos. And he did that a lot um, where he was just getting in the game against Buffalo as well. The two weeks ago, it was another game where he just got to the paint a lot. was really aggressive. He likes to do this thing where he kind of drives the net on the backhand cuts to the forehand to try and tuck it in. He, he does that all the time. It's a few goals as you're doing it. He went for that a lot against Vancouver where he was getting behind their lesser defense pairings with the mm-hmm. likes of, um, Tyler Myers in particular, who just doesn't have the foot speed to skate with them, where they mm. can just get behind the D by going forehand or backhand the forehand, drive the net, hope you get the goalie moving laterally left to right to move it either five hole or around the far leg. And mm. again, he didn't happen to score doing that move, but he's one of the only guys on the Penguins. Drew O'Connor's now doing it too a little bit, where they're willing to just go dip the shoulder, drive the net. Um, and that's I, when, when Brian Rust is playing well, he, go, he tries to do that one to two times a game. Um, I agree he, with that. And it's like usually the goalie, if the goalie the goalie gets lucky. He sticks his stick out and poke checks him while he's making his, while he's making his move. But I, I've seen him score before on that. And, and the good thing about that is, uh, maybe not lately, but he he draws a lot of penalties with that too. Guys will oh, he pull does. him down yeah. and hook him or, 
and it's a good, it's a good move. Against Vancouver, I'm pretty sure he drew minor penalty. Where I, I mm-hmm. could not remember who it was. It was one of their forwards got trapped back, having to be a defenseman. Ross dips the shoulder, drives his hip and shoulder into the center of mass of the guy trying to defend him, and the guy ends up just basically bear hugging him, like a yep. like a, a cornerback bear hugging a receiver out of a break, and you get a defensive <laughs> holding call. Uh, the Miles Jack from the Steelers game. Oh jeez. <laughs> but he forced whatever Canucks player there was to basically make that same play, where it's either he takes the penalty. Or Russ is going to come in and have a breakaway from about eight feet out, where he just dipped the shoulder and gets behind the guy. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a kind of player with, with the with the veterans that we got. I know he's a veteran too now, but you need a guy like Brian Russ. I mean, he's got a he's got to be now that Riley Smith's hurt now, especially, and, and we'll get into that later on as well because you're going to have to have a guy like who's the guy who's the guys that step up for Riley Smith. So far, it's been Drew O'Connor. I like Drew O'Connor. Being honest, I think he's a guy that he showed me a lot last year in the. Um, and not the Olympics, but the uh, but the, the world, the, the what we did in this past off season. He, yeah, yeah, he did. He did good. I mean, team C and B players, but he mm-hmm. he played. He acquitted himself pretty well. Yeah, he did. He um he played really well in that tournament. So I, I I actually think the Penguins are getting a little bit more from some of the players. I didn't think they would at the beginning of the year. I, I think I think Pustinen might be hitting a wall. I think when he first came on. I thought that he was. I was like, oh, this guy's not not bad. Little uh, jewel of energy for the lines and stuff, but. Um, they just need like what you're saying. They need the secondary scoring. Just the I mean, Crosby's doing. People in Pittsburgh know it, but nationally, no one's talking about it. He's he's definitely got to be a top three MVP candidate. I know he's going to get because his, his numbers ain't quite as high. Or but what he's doing for this team is unbelievable, man. The the argument in terms of guys doing it, they're dragging their team along a little bit. Would be Crosby here. And Nikita Kucherov in Tampa, who I think yeah. might be leading the league in scoring right now. Those are two guys to where if you take them off their teams, they're probably six or seven wor- points worse in the standings, and they're outside the playoff conversation pretty quickly. I, I agree with you, Drew. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's one of Crosby's – I'm not going to say it's his best year, it's not, but it's one of his most complete – one of his most complete seasons. I mean, I don't see him I think doing it's a, really anything wrong out there, man. I think it's – from individual contribution standpoint, I think it's his best season since the back-to-back seasons. I, I agree with you totally. I think that the, the guy's just playing – the guy's playing unbelievable for his age. And I, I know I've never cons- considered him old, but, man, he's just playing some good hockey right now. If, if he keeps up at his pace, he will probably break 50 goals. He'll probably hit about 92 to 95 points, and he'll tie Wayne Gretzky for the most consecutive point-per-game seasons. And he'd be and he would be the second player at the age of 36 to score 50 or more if he does it to match Alex Ovechkin, being the only other player who's ever scored 50 or more at age 36 that's that's pretty that's amazing man amazing i think as the season goes on uh if he keeps this up maybe he will get a little bit more uh a little bit more print in the national news i think uh, he's third if you held a gun to my head and said extrapolate this mm-hmm. i think mckinnon would be the leading candidate right now i think he's the best player on what i think is the most complete team in the western conference at the moment um, and then you you would have Kucherov being second, aforementioned, and then Crosby being third would probably be my guys. But if McDavid, who's been on a heater, and so are the Oilers, continues to do what he does, he's probably going to end up leading the league and scoring again. And McDavid's going to bump one of Kucherov or Crosby out of that combo. I yeah, think. And McDavid, which I, I can't, can't even. He's so hot right now, man. Unbelievable. I don't Edmonton trust too. the Oilers, but I trust him. If that, I'm. I'm a, I, I agree with you totally. I don't. I. How can you trust the Oilers after all these years? I mean, they got a. They got to they got to prove it before you can really trust them. But let's get a little segue to the Western Conference. Uh, the Penguins played the Kraken, which um, it, it's nice to see the Kraken. I like 
I, I dig everything about the Kraken. I do. I'm one of them guys that love – I love new teams like the jersey. They have – jerseys were sweet looking. Just a nice – good they, game at the um, at the arena. Battle. Like, it, it's the maritime themes, like the city. Their mm-hmm. goal song is uh, – smells like teen spirit. They're like, awesome. they lean into, like, the grunge music scene, all the fish market. As corny as it is sometimes – I like it when a team just leans into what makes whatever city they occupy in their city. Like Detroit leans hard into being in Detroit. Um, Tampa really embraced their community and like has all the beach theming and stuff like that inside their arena. If you've ever been like they a lot, I love it when a team just leans into the market and Seattle does it perfectly. They're a fairly competitive team, which we'll get into as we talk about this game. Um, But on the game itself, I think that was the Penguins second best game of the season. Um, the only games I think you could argue are better are the dismantling of Philadelphia in Philadelphia, their last game there, and um, the win against Denver or uh, Colorado, excuse me, at home. Yeah early, yeah, early in the year, that game against Colorado always stands out. But that you're right about the Flyer game. That was total domination. That was one of the better. Um, that was one of the better feelings I've had in the Penguin game this year. And I know it goes a little bit more because of the, been- uh, the rivalry and everything, but they they played unbelievable that game. And here's the thing, too. Like, we talked about the two previous games. They lose in overtime. The Penguins, they were ready for the second the puck dropped. So, I don't know if it's just getting back home after the Carolina game and losing in that fashion. And they kind of gave their head a shake, so to speak, and came back and just said, not again. But they took a team who's just as desperate as they are. Seattle's right on the fringe of that playoff bubble. They had won eight or nine games in a row, I believe. And I think, like, ten of their last 11, they'd been on an absolute heater leading up to the Winter Classic in which they won. Uh, against Vegas. Yep. So the Penguins took a desperate team in peak form who was mostly healthy and absolutely pummeled them. Um, the, and I think it's a team that on paper, I think their roster is inferior to the Penguins. So it was very nice to see the Penguins do what they should do mm-hmm. to that team. They picked them apart from the second the puck dropped and the ref said go. Um, which Carolina and Vancouver, that you can easily argue those are better rosters than the Penguins. Not a lot of people push back on that. And they acquitted themselves pretty well. But the second that this, uh, the switch was flipped and they were playing someone who is a worse roster than them, they smelled blood immediately. Like Seattle, I know it took the Penguins a little bit to score in that game, but I don't think the Kraken were ever in that game. That was Joey no. Dacord having one of his best periods of the year in the first period, <laughs> yep. especially the Crosby line. They were ridiculous in that first period. Um and then the Penguins break through. And the moment they broke through, they didn't look back. They got the second goal. They didn't fall back into a shell. They pressed. Their forecheck was the best I'd seen it outside of the Flyers game in a really long time. Um, they just completely had them hemmed in. And a big week in the Kraken have, they don't really have a go-to workhorse defenseman on the back end. They have a couple of decent dudes, like Vince Dunn in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Jamie Alexiak, Brian Dumoulin, and Justin Schultz, which we're familiar with all three of those guys. Yeah, we are. Especially Schultz and Alexiak, they're still pretty good players. Dumoulin, a much more hit or miss on. Um, but when you're three of your six defensemen are those guys, you're asking a lot of a guy like Vince Dunn. Um, and, and that's, I think, the Kraken's weakness and what ultimately is going to hamstring them if they make the postseason or not. That's the team, actually, I think, should go all in on Jacob Chikrin out of Ottawa, personally, with him wanting out. Um, I think he would do the most good there, and he'd be top-pairing minutes with Vince Dunn, probably. But um, yeah, they, Vince Dunn's a, a huge free agent signing a couple years ago. He's he's a guy that sort of came out of nowhere and became a he, he's a he's a darn good defenseman. And uh, like how um Anaheim was kind of forced to let a defender go, and they certainly let the wrong guy go in Chase Theodore. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of that situation for St. Louis where you have Krug, you have Pareko, you have all these guys with bigger cap hits, 
someone had to be a casualty of that. And it just ended up being Vince Dunn, who mm-hmm. I think is a very good hockey player. In a perfect situation, though, he's on your second pair, not your first, which is where the Kraken have him. And again, no disrespect to the guy, but he was he had to log some brutal minutes against the Crosby unit, and he just was not up to the task. No one on the Kraken yeah. really was, but not specific to Vince Dunn. It's just when you're a defenseman who ends up playing 27 minutes or whatever he played, it becomes really obvious that he was kind of out over his skis a little bit trying yeah. to handle that. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, uh, Darren, for the Penguins right now, right now after the last three games, last two weeks that we've been talking, who's hot right now for the Penguins? Who's hot? Like, who's a guy that you're like, man, he's playing good? I'm going to take the first line out in its entirety because they've, they've kind of been hot. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I mean, Chris Tang has been playing well, but I think I might give the same answer as last week in that it, uh, once you get beyond the stars, Drew Connor has been really, really, really good. Uh, he's been the perfect kind of guy that Malkin needs to go into the corner to drive the net to just be generally annoying. Like, annoying in hockey is a compliment, and Drew oh. Connor bodies that. And he's another guy like Rust. He's shorter, but very strongly built, dips the shoulder, drives the net, can skate in the open space. He's not a big hitter, but he'll lean on guys. He makes you uncomfortable. Like Chris Kunitz wasn't a big, I'm going to hit you, like blow up a guy with a body check at center ice, right? But he'd be on your hip the entire way going into the corner for loose pucks, just being annoying, being a pain in the butt of whoever it is who's trying to handle him. And Drew O'Connor's done that. And he's scoring a little bit more. It's not outrageous to say he maybe finishes in the 12 to 15 goal range, with which for how many minutes he was playing the first 15 games of the year is actually kind of crazy if he can hit that goal threshold. I agree with you on that, on that call. What about who, who's struggling right now? Like who in the penguin lineup? Uh, Struggling. uh, I would have said Riley Smith. He's now out with injury. Um, Mm -hmm. That was a guy who's kind of fallen off a cliff. He definitely has. He started off so sweet. It's at least when he wasn't scoring initially, there was excellent puck support. He was very good Mm -hmm. defensively, a reliable PK guy. He's been kind of a wall for the better part of a month. And maybe that's the injury. Maybe him getting hit against Boston made something he was already playing with worse. I don't know. I'm extrapolating a little bit with that. Um, but if I got beyond him, I think Lars Eller had a streak where he was playing insanely well. And then the last three or four games, he's kind of cooled off a bit, which isn't any disrespect to him. And I think a lot of it has to do with Pustinen falling off as well. And O'Connor subsequently being bumped up to the second line took that guy away from Eller. So then you have Eller and Pustin on your third line kind of really struggling. And you get Rodham Zahorna gets thrown in last game, who isn't anything to write home about. Um, Jansen Harkins can't play above your fourth line. So, like, you're just kind of stuck at the moment. And I, I would just say those two guys in particular, Eller and Pustin, in, in my mind. I, I, I like I like both picks on that. And um, we're going to start something here uh, weekly. We're going to pick a, a team out in the Metropolitan and just discuss them right away. Um, th- this week will be New Jersey Devils, who are a team on paper I think we both thought would be a little bit higher in the standings right now. I um, thought they'd be a 110-point team and run away with the Metro. Just full disclosure, that's what I thought they were going to do. I thought the Metro was going to break down New Jersey 1, Carolina 2, the Rain 3, where all three teams pushed the 104, 105-point-plus threshold and, is what and, I thought the Metro would be. And, and the sad thing is New Jersey is uh, – one point behind the Penguins right now. They're uh, they are forty seven points. We got forty eight. They have uh, worse, the, the whole worse. division is so tight right now that a team wins five in a row right now they could jump up. I mean it's it's crazy what what I mean, uh, what's the going Penguins, on. Nine three and three in their last fifteen sixteen games, mm-hmm. um, and they've kind of played themselves back into it. The Devils have that right that have the ability to do that. The big thing with them though is they just can't stay healthy. 
And you're seeing in the media, Lindy Roth has been getting really defensive in post-game scrums. Their goaltending has been, in terms of Metropolitan teams, by far and away the most erratic. Columbus has been the worst, but that's expected. They just don't really have anybody in that position. The Devils, who had Vitek Vanacek, was fantastic last year, has completely fallen apart. He looks like Vanacek that we saw in Washington. And like he, Washington. He's got he's got a three three one with a, only an eight eight eighty two save percentage right now. And um, their best goalie has been, I believe, his name is Dawes. Yeah, Nico Dawes is Nico um Dawes. he's at he's actually at two seven one with a nine one six, and their backup Schmid is three uh, three yeah. two yeah three two six with a eight ninety three. So their their goalies are terrible right now. But let let's get into their 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 forwards. They got uh. They're led by Jesper Bratt on and points, and then of course Jack Hughes and uh, Tyler Toffoli. They're basically like the three guys you got to worry about when you play the Devils. Toffoli is tied for the team leading goals um, with Jesper Bratt, but I mean Jack Hughes is the star of that bunch. So would you? Yeah, agree? yeah, Jack. You, you they have a nasty one-two punch at center with uh, uh, excuse me, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, who I think Heischer's out with injury again, mm-hmm. which has been a problem with him. And they, they just lost Brendan Smith today too. The defenseman. yeah, Brendan Smith, I don't think's a giant loss, but he's an NHL worthy defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean it, especially when you're already down Dougie Hamilton. Um, but you know what? Silver linings and a lot of stuff for the Devils. Hamilton's injury opened the door for Simon Nemich, who has been a I that is a superstar yeah in, a right-handed puck moving guy he's going to be I think he's going to turn into a 30 minute a night defenseman like Dougie Hamilton maybe not quite the same offensive upside but uh very much a very dominant puck possession guy who's just going to dictate play at 5v5 in particular um and honestly I think if that much had been up from the word go I think he's probably third in Calder voting I think he's that good with the two guys ahead of the main being Bedard and uh Brock Faber for Minnesota are the only two like rookies that I've been more impressed by this year. I mean, number, number two pick of the 22 drafts for Nemich. Uh, so, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a guy that's, that, you know, a lot of people might not know his name right now in Pittsburgh, but learn that name because uh, he's going to be, guy, the guy's going to be good for the next decade. You watch, he's going to be a guy you're going to see in Pittsburgh and be like, really this guy again? Like why? And before I let you go, go over to, in your opinion, the Devils roster. Did they have the kind of roster that you need to to, to make a run? They have a they have a lot of they have, they have the youth and they have some they have some talented veterans, but they they seem to be a little sloppy on the on the third and fourth line, just like most yeah. teams are. Uh, I mean, Miles Wood. I mean, when someone just overpays for Miles Wood and Blake Coleman and those guys, you lose some depth pieces. They go to Calgary and Colorado, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to lose some of that. But they're very young. I mean, you have Alexander Holtz. You have uh, Dawson Mercer, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, you have these young guys that can fill in those middle six roles and produce. It's just a matter of getting the fit right. Eric Howla has kind of reinvigorated his career with them. Um, he kind of took over the role that Pavel Zaka had before he went to Boston as more of like a veteran center guy that can sometimes shift to the wing in the top six if you need it. Um, I think the roster is there to be a very good team. If you ask me right now how the Metro breaks down at the end of the year, I think it's going to be the top three will end up being in some combination of the first two. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that Carolina catches the Rangers, but I think your one, two are the Rangers and Carolina. I think three is going to end up being one of the Penguins or Devils with one of those other teams being wild card one and then either Tampa or maybe if they can, maybe if they can hang on the flyers as your wild card too. So I, I, I think the devils or the penguins are going to end up in that third spot with the other team being wild card one. 
and then we'll kind of go descending from there. But the Devils have a roster that if they get in, I don't want to say nobody wants to play them because the goaltending is so bad. Like, yeah, they're a team that I could see them going in, shooting the lights out in a series and beating somebody in five or six. Or I could see them getting swept because the goaltending is so erratic. Do you, think not- they're, you think they're a team that, um, by the deadline, you think they're trying to – I know it's hard to trade for goalies nowadays, especially during the deadline. Do you think that they, they're a team that tries to pull the, pull the string and get a, a, a veteran goalie? I think they maybe try to. But I think because you have two other teams that are further along in their development that are much more desperate for goaltending, the big one being Edmonton oh, in yeah. particular. Mm-hmm. But but if Edmonton or L.A. feel like they need another bump up at goalie, I think those are two teams that are going to spend more because their window is now. New Jersey's window is now, but it's also for the next five or six years, too. They're not as limited by contract and spans. Oh, yeah, they got as, some they got some young guys, man. So I think I could see them maybe being interested in a goalie. I don't know if they're going to want to invest the capital for a goalie whenever they're trying to outbid potentially L.A. or uh, or even Colorado or the, the Oilers. I, I agree with everything you're saying, Darren. And next week, Darren, we're going to do the, um, go over to two games next week, and they're at uh, Vegas and at Arizona. So uh, a different, fun a couple one. different teams. Cool. Yeah, it'd be fun couple of late games for us to watch. Um, and we're going to go with the New York Rangers next week will be our team. So we'll jump up to the top, talk about the Rangers, see why they're in first right now, if they're still in first at that point, which they should be because they, they have a decent lead. It's not um, – I'm just shocked at how close this division is. And I guess that hockey did it right with the uh, extra points they give up because, I mean, it's just hard to – it's hard to – it's hard to get away from teams. I mean, you're getting – teams are getting points even on – like the Penguins this past week, they just proved it. It's got four out of six. But two losses, I mean, they still find a way to uh, – four points is like two wins, really, and they really only yeah. won one. So. They, they did what I wanted them to do. I want my In my head, my vision was you have to beat the Kraken, and then you have to split against Canucks or uh, Carolina. Now, you'd have preferred that win be against Carolina because that is a team, in theory, you're still chasing. I don't. Oh, like yeah, you don't them. want to give them a point. But, but in theory, you, you don't want to give up that point to them. But at the end of the day, they got the four or six, which is what I said going into that stretch – I'd have been happy. I look at it this way. If you can get 66% of the points, which sounds like a lot, but like if you look at it from here till the rest of the year, you're probably going to need 64 to 66% of the points to guarantee yourself a playoff spot. Now there can be some wiggle room there, especially with, I think the Islanders completely falling off. I don't expect the capitals to continue and I don't expect the flyers to continue doing what they're doing, but you would rather win at that clip. That way you can take the, chance out of it you can kind of control your own destiny a little bit especially if you look at the atlantic now toronto's not doing so hot uh at i can't talk today tampa's not doing so hot really the only teams in that division that have been consistent are the panthers and the bruins so i think you're gonna see a lot like that that atlantic division has kind of completely fallen apart you're not really competing with them for wild card spots at this point outside of tampa who as i mentioned before they may end up with four games in hand uh and points back after tonight it's sort of strange how the Penguins have done really well against the elite teams in NHL this year. They beat Colorado, they beat Boston. Um, they they find they find ways to like. That's what I mean. Like they're 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 a unique team this year. Where I can't look at them and go, yeah, they're they 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 have so many ups and downs. But I think you've made me believe that they're still in the whole long run. They're still very fluid. What they're doing, they're still they're still getting their points when they need them. They're you know, I mean. We like to see them win every game. I mean, it's it's like it's like any other sport. They can't win every game. No one's gonna win every game in hockey. Yeah. And and 
And like his past week, a regular hockey fan might go, oh, they went one and two. Well, no, they really didn't because we just proved it. They got four out of six, which is the same as winning two out of three. So that's what makes that's what makes hockey very unique, and it makes it hard. It's hard for a team to win a division by 20, 30 points. It's almost, you know, like in football where you have a team that wins by five games, it's over with by uh, November. It, it, you don't see that in hockey, which keeps, keeps it to the end. Keeps and kind up. of to play into that, just as one last point, it makes it hard to gain ground. If no, you're three-point games, which, to the Penguins' credit, they've played well enough. They were second to last in the division. They're now fourth, and they pretty comfortably control where they go from here. If they just handle their business against Metro teams, they're going to finish third or fourth. They're going to get a playoff spot. And if they finish third and say – and don't get me wrong, I think Carolina would be a bad matchup. But I don't – I think that's a series that probably goes the distance because I don't think you can trust Carolina's goaltending. Not that you can trust the Penguins anymore. It's very erratic for both teams. But that would be a series that opens it up for chaos. I think they match up very well against the Rangers. I think the Rangers are a team that they'd have a hard time going center for center with the Penguins, especially with the Banajad not being as good this year. So it's just stuff to watch. Like we're going to be going down the home stretch of this year. We're going to get closer to the trade deadline where if you can add a middle six winger, uh, Jesse Pujarvi has goals in back-to-back games now for the baby Penguins. We're going to see him at some point, I would have to believe. If Jansen Harkins and Zorna are getting minutes, I would rather see Pujarvi go with the higher upside guys. Um, Do you you think Pujarvi could be, um, depending on injuries, I know Raleigh Smith's out long-term. Do you think that um, Pujarvi could be a top six guy or they give him a top six chance? I think at this point, unless there's more injuries, no. But I think he's a guy where if Pustinen continues to kind of hit the wall and your third line ends up being some combination of Eller, Doc, and Pustinen, or uh, Pujarvi, and then your fourth line ends up being uh, Pustinen, Achari, Carter, or Colin White, or any of these, like some combination, I think you're looking better. Now, I would still add a winger, and I wouldn't be shocked if Riley Smith is maybe a guy that goes, unless his injury is catastrophic. Um, he's under contract. Maybe somebody wants him. There's a whole lot of wiggle room, not to put it out there. That's not anything that I've heard or anything that I've seen written no. there, but, um, it's going to be interesting. Like if, if Pugliarby can still play the thing with him, he had hip resurfacing surgery. Yeah. That is devastating. The list of guys that have come back and performed after hip replace or resurfacing oh, surgery is one guy and he's playing right now. And that's Patrick Kane has been solid for Detroit and signing with him. Nick Backstrom completely fallen off a cliff. Um, Ryan Kessler completely fell apart and top. He had other injuries, but the hip resurfacing surgery was kind of the nail in the coffin. It's just an injury guys historically in a surgery guys historically do not come back from and execute. Well, dude, hip, hip problems are, are a bad issue for even regular people. I mean, you hear, you hear, um, you have a grandparent or an older parent that has a, that broke their hip or whatever. It's, it's a bad a hips. Hip is a, a, a more important than people think. I mean, the hip. Once the hip goes, um, it, it's it's rough to do anything. I mean, ask, Bo, ask Bo Jackson. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he another, that's a perfect. He, he ripped his leg out of the hip socket, and he had to have hip resurfacing surgery, and was never the same again. Never the same. But Darren, thank you so much. Penguin talk weekly right now as the season goes on. Um, All star games gonna be coming up. Uh, that'll, that'll be in February. Um. We'll, we'll watch these two games this week, um, Vegas and Arizona. What do you expect? What, what's your what's your hope out of the two games? Three points. I think they're going to have a good road trip. I think we're going to get a two and zero or like a one zero one. I they match up really good against Vegas, especially now that Jack Eichel's out. Um, he hasn't been officially placed an IR or anything, but he left last game. 
hasn't practiced. I don't expect to see Eichel Saturday, which means we're going to get some center mismatches for sure with the Crosby line in particular. So if they can get anything out of that bottom six, I think they'll beat Vegas. I think Arizona, because they're healthier, and Arizona is a team, and I was actually going to say, everyone watch local son, Logan Cooley, watch him and the Keller line. Uh, that is a line that gives up a ton of chances, but man, do they create a lot of chances. And they yeah, they're, 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 they're fun they're, too they're to watch. I've watched them a couple of times on like the uh, on my streaming service. I'll tell you what, I they're they're a fun team to watch. Like they're, they're, they have very good goaltending. They're getting yep. very good goaltending so far this year. All right, Darren, thank you so much. And guys, by the way, www.draft412.com. Get on www.draftcarolina.com. Draft Nation is coming. Uh, in the next two to three weeks, we should have draftnation.com where everything will will be under that umbrella. Um, and get on get on the website. Get get sign up for the newsletter. The newsletter is fantastic. Uh, we're gonna start even entering some podcasts in there. You better watch some podcasts in the newsletter. You better watch, uh, look at articles. Um, we're gonna give away some Yetis for people that sign up. We're trying to take the newsletter to the next level. So and then the, of course the NFL draft party. Uh, get online, buy the tickets now. They're um, they're they're gonna go fast. Last year's party uh, was a success. People know about it now, so the tickets will will move a lot more uh, fluidly this year than they did last year. But Darren, thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you next week. And everybody else, we're off the clock. Thank you.